Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have a really important show in store for you today with our guest, Gabe Lyons. But before we dive into this conversation with Gabe, I want to take a moment and tell you about one of our incredible partners, Honey. I've always been a big fan of online shopping. Y'all know this. But these days, I am here for buying what I need from my computer and it magically showing up at my door. That is why I was so excited to hear about Honey. It's this free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and a automatically applies the best one at checkout to save you money. Honey is basically your best friend in online shopping. Here's how it works. You get Honey on your computer for free. It seriously takes like two clicks and it just appears in the top right of your browser. And then when you're checking out on one of Honey's over 30,000 supported sites, Honey pops up. All you have to do is click apply coupons and wait a few seconds as Honey searches the coupons for that site and it finds working codes. It'll apply the best one to your cart. It's easy as that, you guys. I don't want to spend money I don't have to spend and I know you don't either. Just this past week, I was doing a little clothing shopping. It's the sweatshirts, y'all. They just called to me. Anyway, when I went to check out, Honey saved me a little over $7 and those savings add up pretty fast. Over 17 million people use Honey and to date, Honey has found its members over 2 billion dollars in savings. Two billion dollars. Y'all, that's so much money. Honey supports all kinds of retailers from tech and gaming sites to fashion brands, even food delivery. Yes, please. It's simple. If you have a computer, Honey should be on it. It's free and it works with whatever browser you use. You can get Honey for free today at joinhoney.com slash fun. That's joinhoney.com slash fun. Okay, speaking of fun, today's conversation is about politics, friends. Yes, yes, it is. We're going to have a couple more of these political conversations uh, toward the inauguration in January. But today, the Thursday before an election here in the U.S. for president on Tuesday in November, I really wanted us to sit down and talk with Gabe Lyons, the founder of Q Ideas. Uh, it is matters to me. The thing I keep saying to friends is that I just want us to get to the other side of this election and our faith and our friendship still be intact. And Gabe is the expert I wanted to sit with us in this to talk about both candidates, to talk about where our faith meets both candidates, and what our actual kingdom life can and should look like as we're voting this next week. So I hope that you will listen with open ears and open heart and and give this conversation a shot. You're coming into the conversation just like Gabe and I with strong opinions, and I hope you will listen as Gabe does an expert job helping us understand how people of faith can be strongly believing both parties right now and and how many of us feel conflicted in our voting. And so I think you will learn some things and have some thoughts, and I can't wait to hear them. And here's my conversation with the co-author of Good Faith and Unchristian, the author of The Next Christians, and the founder of Q, a man I love and respect. Here is our friend, Gabe Lyons. Gabe Lyons, welcome to That Sounds Fun Podcast. It is so great to be here, Annie. How have we never done this? I don't know. We, we spend too much time eating like brunches together. That's right. We, That's we just right. don't bring the microphone. That's right. Today we've got the microphone. That's right. On. I'm so glad. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I love it. I really appreciate it. When it was time to have an election conversation in 2020, I was very hopeful you would 
be will, willing to do this with me. So. Well, it was against my better judgment, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here and, I'm, and I do think it's so important that we we have, we have need space to talk about this yeah. in, in a way that hopefully can be helpful and encouraging to people yeah. in a time where there's a lot of confusion and chaos. So yes. I'm, I'm hopeful that this conversation brings a little peace in the yeah, midst of the anxiety. That's right. that's right. And for our friends listening, our goal is Gabe and I both show up with our own opinions. Everyone does. Our goal is to have a nonpartisan conversation. We will have more political conversations in January that are already scheduled with people that we love. But this one is our, our goal is to, to lay out as much as we can about where faith meets culture meets politics, which is why you're kind of the expert for us, Gabe. Will you tell a little bit about Q and and why you're the why I picked you as the right guy for this? Well, I first have to say it's Q ideas, not Q anon. Oh my gosh, okay? has that been such a pain? <laughs> we finally had to put on our website a little statement that really? Q ideas have existed for 15 years. Yes. Long before this conspiracy theory existed. And so we uh in the Gabe, future I will exist. Even thought about that. Well, I'm protecting you now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but no, Q idea. Q stands for questions. And you know, we launched this back in two thousand and seven as yeah. a space for Christian leaders from every area of society to come together and think well about our culture, about the questions that were coming in the future, mm-hmm. and believing that, man, scripture has something to offer the Christian faith, the history of our faith, mm-hmm. and how we engage the public square um, would be better if we were educated on that and we knew how to apply it. And yeah. so we've tried to now for years, we've gathered you know tens of thousands of Christian leaders uh, and also done a lot of events throughout local communities that help them think well about faith and culture. Yeah. And so people can learn more at qideas.org. Yeah, qideas.org. <gasps> Gabe, I had not even thought about that y'all were dealing with QAnon <laughs> mix-ups. Yeah. I bet you're getting some good emails, though. Are you getting some real intel? Oh, we're yeah, right. <laughs> People are trying to tell us all kinds of things we need to That's be thinking right. about. I've never thought about. <laughs> uh, let's start at ground zero. Donald Trump is running against Joe Biden in 2020 for presidency. People keep calling this the most important election of our lifetime. Is that actually true? Well, I've been hearing that at every presidential election. I mean, right? I mean, right. every time... The election comes around. That's the discussion. And I guess it is true because it's like we're getting more mature as adults. Yeah. Our lives, you know, are getting shorter. So so maybe, hey, this one for me is most important. <laughs> but, I, but I also think what's always meant is there's two different visions going forward. And therefore, whichever vision wins, you're going to live with that for, for a while. Yeah. You know, that's the thing yeah. about U.S. politics is it's not forever. But certainly for the next four to eight years, you, you tend to live with whatever policies and the person that's in leadership. So I think in that sense, it's good for us to think about it as important, if, especially if that gets people out to vote and to make their opinions known. Yeah. But I also think as Christians, we we hold this loosely. We, we understand we're citizens of a bigger kingdom. Yeah. This isn't just about voting some savior into office that's going to make our life better and win things for us. Like that's not how we as Christians should approach this. Yeah. I think we have to hold it loosely in that sense. Even when Jesus was given the opportunity to be the actual leader on a throne on this planet, he did not take it. Yeah, that wasn't the strategy, yeah, right? right. So I think, I think we can all take away from this that, look, loving people, being faithful, um, pointing people towards Jesus, like these are the things that really last. Yeah. Um, and, and these different political ideologies and how they play out in American culture— is one part of the vision of America, but it's not everything. Yeah. It's not everything. It feels so deep to people. This one feels so personal that, I mean, I was just telling you, I haven't told anyone how I'm voting because it it 
it aligns you or it takes you away from certain friends and certain people. Yeah. Has it always been like this? And I'm just not, haven't paid close enough attention? No, I think the intensity is way higher now. Okay. I think things are way more politicized, right, than, than they've been in previous sort of elections. But I also think, again, we have to, we have to see people beyond like ideologies. Like we don't, we don't get to just label people by some of their ideas or the way they think. Yeah. You know, if we did that with everybody we associated ourselves with, oh we gosh. would have no friends. That's right. So we can't now in politics start to put these definitions in place that, hey, if you don't think the way I think about the political future of America, we can't be friends. Our lives would be quite, quite boring. And that's not how God wants us to view our neighbor, our yeah. friends, our, our fellow churchgoers. We should see everybody in, in good faith that they're made in the image of God. They're trying to make the best decisions they can with imperfect people. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about voting. It's like, it's your imperfect expression of yeah. your will. You, you never get to really vote for the perfect candidate or the perfect platform. Yes, that's the problem is, is I still feel conflicted. Yeah. <laughs> even though I've made my decision. Yeah. And so what do we do with that? What do we do that we still feel that even once we vote, maybe I, I'm, I voted absentee <laughs> so that I could like, I, Gabe, you should have seen me. <laughs> so I laid the thing out. I had my computer open. I was reading everyone's websites. I mean, I was like... I didn't think about that. Like you literally, because I, I always yes. vote in person. So you 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 have the access to the internet. You can kind of take your time. And Yes. I, I did an at-home <laughs> quiz That's awesome. instead of taking the test at school. Yeah. I did it at home. <laughs> but, but for me, it was... It wasn't the big national election I couldn't sort out, though it has taken me a very long time and I'm very conflicted still. It is, I, I wanted to make sure I voted local wisely. Mm -hmm. And so I had to read everyone's websites yeah. and look at their Twitters and see what they were doing. <laughs> That's great. And so, and I was scared I would forget who, because I would read all their names and all their things. And if I went in to vote the next day, I'd forget. Yeah. That was well, my problem. I know. I, it's, it's a long list when you get in there. If you and when you don't homework. just vote down a ticket line. That's right. And, and, or a party line, which I used to do. Well, and I think you should feel conflicted about your vote. I, and, and I know a lot of people would like not to hear that. They'd yeah. like to feel like whatever they voted is just the right way and the only way. It reminds me, Michael Weir, who we both know and yes, friends Yes, he's been with. on the show. People adore him. He'll be back in January. Yeah, and he really thinks about this political space. He gave a talk at our Q event recently, and, and I actually brought this quote because I just thought, man, this is so helpful about what you're describing. He says, voting is not meant to be a perfect expression of your will. We should take our vote seriously, but many of us feel so paralyzed when we fill out our ballot because we feel though we should not feel any conflict when we vote. But I'm much more concerned about voters who don't feel conflict when they vote than I do about voters who do feel some mm. tension, hesitancy, ambivalence. People who don't feel conflicted when they vote might feel that way because they've ceded their intellect, their conscience over to party platforms and the whims of politicians. Wow. So I think your feeling of conflict is, is good. Because okay. there's no way in this election, whoever you vote for, you're voting for a perfect party, a perfect candidate, a perfect platform, because yeah. they're all imperfect, right? Yeah. We serve a king of kings who has a different vision about human flourishing, and everybody's trying to figure that one out in, in a natural way. But mm -hmm. we, we often get it wrong. I will say, too, local politics, I, I mean— don't we all understand now how important oh. local politics are? Yes. After this year? I yes. mean, whoever your mayor was, whoever your county commissioner, I mean, all those people that maybe in the past you thought, oh, whatever, you know, yep. I'd, I don't really know them. I don't know how they think. I'm voting down a particular ticket line. Um, now we understand that, man, their philosophy about governing and what it's yes. going to mean to have your economy locally, to be able to go out and do things. I mean, 
we all understand that phrase we've heard forever that all politics is local. And you're kind of mm-hmm. like, well, it doesn't seem that way. Well, this year it did. Yeah. That, I mean, that was my thing is I was like, well, here's what I know I can I can yeah. care about more than I ever have is like, we just lived for a year without the interstate being good because they were redoing it, right? They, right. And I'm like, oh, I voted for someone who made that happen. And I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> and so I need to like really pay attention this year. But will you do, for just a minute, talk about, zoom us out. <laughs> And give give our souls a little space to talk about the bigger kingdom at play here. Like, what is, for those of the people that are listening that are faith people that believe in Jesus and believe that, would call themselves Christians, what's the greater kingdom story here? Yeah, well, I think the greater kingdom story is that we're citizens here on earth for some season of time, and we're supposed to be faithful with that. We have a role to play Mm -hmm. in society. We are called to advance good. We're called to be reconcilers. We're called to make things new in partnership with God and through his power to see things redeemed. So like, that's the vision we ought to always have of the world every Mm -hmm. year, right? Mm -hmm. Every week, not just when every four years a presidential election comes around. But, But I think even historically, I mean, you go back and look at the early church, something Tim Keller said to us recently at one of our Q gatherings was he was describing the early church and he was talking about all the ways in which the early church cared for these different issues that today, if you were to slice it up, it would almost look like, you know, they were caring for very different things and very mm-hmm. different parties. So things like being pro-life, right? They, mm-hmm. they cared about infanticide, where children were being left at the city gates, and they would go out and actually care for them and, and yeah. raise them and adopt them. They cared about sexual morality, and, and this made the Christian church quite countercultural, I mean, throughout all the ages, but that, that mattered to them. They also cared about justice. They cared about caring for people, and, and they cared about the poor, right? Yeah. They, they wanted economic disparities not to exist as much and to actually help those who were poor. And, and you know what else they cared about was civility. They, mm-hmm. they didn't mind turning their cheek. And yeah. they cared about getting along. They cared about loving their neighbors even when there was disagreement. So, I mean, you just look at those five things and, and we could probably sort it out and go, hey, one party does a little bit better at, or seems to care more about these issues yes, and the other party... Yes, it's like splits down the middle. <laughs> so, so I think that just helps us zoom out, though, and go as Christians, we got to care about all those issues. And so then when it comes to politics, I mean, very practically, we do have to get into policies. We have to look at and try to determine and research. That's why I love your Googling and your reading and you're you're trying to understand what is this person's prescription. Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty imperfect, but what's their imperfect prescription for human beings to flourish? Yeah. Like that's the questions we have to be asking are, are around every single issue. And you really do have to make a judgment call on which of these is going to produce that. Yes. And you have to look at history, you have to research, you have to, there's people you're listening to that you trust um, who might be more experienced than you are in, in some of those issues. And all that starts to play into us being smart about this. And, and that's, I think, one of my greatest cautions is to the voter that just doesn't do the work. Yeah. You know, the excuse is, I, I already know what I'm doing. And it's, it's just kind of this um, quick emotive response, but it's not necessarily well reasoned mm. to, to realize, hey, whoever you vote for at that highest level, presidential level, you really are voting for a party and you're voting for a set of solutions that they believe are going to best help the society function well. Mm-hmm. And they're very different visions. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to act like they're very much the same. They're very yes. different. But as a Christian, to be faithful, I think you have to look through that biblically and you have to come to some conclusions and go, this party, I think, brings about a vision that closely aligns with what I think the Word of God teaches about human beings, about yeah. sin, about morality, about um, the poor, you know, you have to go down that list. So it's almost like we can take those five things. This is what my brain's doing as you're saying these. We're going to take those five things and someone's going to win a presidential election 
in the next month. Well, supposedly. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah, next two months? Yeah, yeah. Before before inauguration, we're going to have a new president by inauguration. And we need to, what I want to do is take those five things and go, okay, the person elected by our country believes in three of those or really exemplifies three of those. What do I need to do to see all five of those in my community? Right. Is that the way we should do that? that? Yeah, because what, what happens is, so say, you know, You whoever, can say real names. You can do whatever yeah, you need well, to. Well, yeah, if you, if you vote for Biden and, and he wins, well, as a Christian, you then have to hold that party accountable to the things that are biblical values that yeah. may not even show up in their platform. So I think it's pretty clear, like the Democratic platform doesn't care much for unborn protecting the unborn. That's very clear in their platform and their policies that they care a lot about people after they're born. But when it comes to that pre, pre-birth and, and abortion, they're very clear that, that the life doesn't matter until it's out of the womb. Mm-hmm. So as a Christian who, who does care about life uh, as it begins, then you got to work hard within your party to fight for that and to fight against this ignoring of a child uh, before it's born. Mm-hmm. So, so obviously that abortion issue is huge. You know, on the on the Trump side, if if Trump wins the election, well, you gotta you gotta call into account the character and yes. the tone yeah. and the way the harshness, the 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 way the, the pride, the the way in which um, he communicates and talks to people and treats people so harshly, because that creates a culture in our culture, and we've all seen that it creates a culture of harshness. It gives permission uh-huh. to to ways in which we don't want our children growing up in a society where we're treating people in a way that's very undignified. Right. So so as a Christian, no matter who wins, your work just starts after the election. That's your your work's not this week and who am I going to vote for? Right. If you see it that way, we're not participating fully as Christians in what our role is here. We have uh-huh. to hold to account these different parties that have different prescriptions, and we have to fight for those. And you know, throughout history, I think I think the, the, the greatest way Christians show themselves in this political process is they really do look at both parties, they look at policies, and during those four years between presidential elections, they're fighting for human flourishing with both parties to mm-hmm. say, we're going to lift up the vulnerable, we're going to lift up those who are not being cared for, and we're going to fight for better policies that will secure that for them. Yeah. So I don't have either of those guys' phone numbers. <laughs> so when it when one of them is elected, and and I want to see, so let's say Biden gets elected and we have a concern for the unborn. Trump gets elected and we have a concern for immigrants. Okay. Yeah. What's my role as like a girl who lives in Nashville? Yeah. Well, again, because politics is local, you know, it's it's hard at this stage to affect national politics right. beyond your vote. So I think in in each of those issues, you have to go. How am I going to on the ground start to embody these principles that I hold dear and and live the truth? And this is going to be a part of my life. So if if it's again on the the pro life issue, then what are we doing locally? To care for life, how yeah. are we a part of uh, pregnancy pregnant moms, centers? Yeah, yeah okay. moms, okay. people, people who feel desperate, you know, mm-hmm. and they don't have any other option, and they feel like abortions, their only hope to get out of their situation. How do we plug into great ministries in the Nash? And there are several in the Nashville area right. that are helping support that issue. So you go to work, I think, locally, and on the on the immigration side, you know, N- Nashville happens to be one of those cities that yeah. does have a lot of refugees and and also immigrants, and so. How do we help support people who are our neighbors and who yeah. deserve God's love and to feel that from us? And and again, when we go back biblically, then the stranger among us is somebody that we should value, that we should love. I, I, it it takes me back to, you know, to to the story of the monastics. You know, when when they would 
you know, this great story of, of how they would welcome strangers. They would have a porter. It was called a porter that would stand uh-huh. at the front of the monastery, and he was watching that road to see who was traveling. And if they saw a traveler, they'd go out to the road and meet them, invite them in, and, mm-hmm. and say, we want you to eat and stay with us tonight. Well, as soon as that traveler would get to the door, they would ring the bell and all of the monks would come and they would literally get on their knees and bow down and, and welcome this person. Oh, wow. And the stranger walking in just was like, what is going on? Why, right. why are you guys doing this sort of right. thing? They'd put them at the head of the table. They would celebrate this person. They would take care of them. They'd clean their feet. I, that vision of how we can care for the stranger or the exile among us rings true to how a Christian ought to think about it. That doesn't mean we have to remove our logic or our intellect when we think about yes. borders and security and that all nations have borders, all nations have rules for entry, that's important. It's mm-hmm. an important part of having a nation. And yeah. so this is where we can't let our, to, to me, we have to keep our judgment intact right. as we also have empathy for the people who are our neighbors. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, do our votes really matter? Of course they do, yeah. you know? I mean, in certain states, maybe more than others, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're talking about presidential politics. But yeah, our votes, our vote matters, and it's not even that it matters in the in the sense of it's going to be part of a tally. I mean, it it matters because we're part in America. We're just part of this republic where this is one of our opportunities as citizens to truly seek representation in our government, and that's a very unique thing. And that's why the local political decisions matter just as much as the presidential, because mm-hmm. we're choosing people who we want to represent our beliefs and our values about what is true, what is good, what is beautiful, what's gonna to lead to human flourishing. And so because of that, yes, our, our vote matters. And you know, I have plenty of friends though who might abstain from this election, who yeah. are just like, you know, I can't in good conscience support either one of those candidates. And so that's a valid position, you know, to say, I'm just gonna sit this one out. Plenty of people would disagree and go, no, you can't do that. But that's the beautiful thing about America. Yeah. And you should vote by your conscience. You, yeah. should, you should do the work. And if you just feel like I can't support either, then, then maybe abstaining is is you, but I, I wouldn't use that as a cop out. Or Kanye West. Let's talk about Kanye West. He's on the Tennessee ballot. He's on the ballot. Yeah, I think he's I on like 12 states. I could not believe it. And I thought of you when I was thinking about our conversation because you know his party's called the birthday party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that sounds fun. That sounds ding, fun. Ding, 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 ding. He's not playing in the fun department. He's got it. No, and his his uh, his whole campaign platform, I mean, I don't know if you've looked I haven't, at this. No, I actually didn't go down that research. <laughs> you didn't take this too my, seriously, no, did you? No, with my absentee ballot. Well, he, he describes like he's basically for a culture of life, environmental stewardship, school prayer, you know, wow. and a strong national defense. He's against abortion. Yeah. A bunch, you know, he's you know, this is what I love about America. Like, Kanye West can be on the ballot, yeah, like he pursued it. And I mean, let's just talk about Kanye for a second. I mean, what an interesting story, right? And I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions, but it has been interesting. I was watching an interview he did recently with Nick Cannon, yeah, I've seen it, yeah, he really digs in. I mean, I'd encourage people to look it up. It, it It's a deep dive for like 45 minutes into yeah. his world, but especially on this life issue, he really that's something you can tell in the last several months has become very surreal for him. And he's mm. he's really digging into that idea, which that's an area that, you know, is countercultural to to really go public against abortion or against Planned Parenthood. I mean, that mm. that sort of position cost him. Yeah. And it's but it's also bold and courageous. And, you know, but the, anyway, the Kanye's thing I fun. feel sorry for him about is that his genuine mental health had and his struggles with mental health have been so forward that it made us not listen to the rest of him yeah. that is healthy. 
Yeah. And the rest of him that may have good ideas and, you know. Right. And also the birthday party. Come on, Kanye. I know. Well, and I, <laughs> There's like seven people between Trump, Biden, seven other candidates, and then Kanye West on the thing. And I was like, well, I don't know any of y'all's names, but there's Kanye on the bottom. I know. It kind of is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> How many candidates you've never heard of. Right. Hey, friends, just taking a short break from this conversation with Gabe to give a shout out to our amazing partners at Rothy's. We're all ready to get cozy this fall. And what better way than with comfortable, washable and sustainable products from Rothy's. The newest Rothy's styles include brand new bags, masks and the return of their best selling merino wool shoes made from a blend of their signature sustainable thread and their softest materials ever. I mean, y'all, these shoes are the perfect cool weather addition to your wardrobe. One of the things I love most about Rothy's is that they have so many great colors, patterns, prints, so we all get to express our own personality and find shoes or bags that showcase our individual style. When I got my first pair, I was so interested to see if they were as comfortable as everyone said, and y'all, they totally lived up to the hype. Ultra comfy from the first second I put them on. You know this, I've told you before. Rothy's makes their shoes, masks, and bags out of recycled plastic water bottles. So purchasing from them is doing something good for the world. To date, they've transformed over 65 million bottles into beautiful products. That is wild. So check out all the amazing shoes and bags available right now at rothys.com slash sounds fun. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash sounds fun. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. So head to rothys.com slash sounds fun today. And now back to our conversation with Gabe Lyons. Okay, so I want you to, here's where I want us to go next. I want us to do this with both Trump and Biden. So I'm going to ask you the exact same question. How can Christians vote for Trump? Okay, so I've had lots of conversations with Christians who support Trump. They 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 tend to not ever endorse his character. I mean, yes. I, and I think that's the thing, obviously, Christians get tagged with is how could you support this guy with mm-hmm. such bad character flaws? Of course, we all have those flaws, and, and I understand the obvious nature of where his stand out. But I, I would almost frame it like when we look at a leader that's going to run the executive branch of our government, there's sort of two ways to evaluate that leader. One one is tone, and, and it is that question. Mm-hmm. Is this person sober-minded? Is this mm-hmm. person a person we can trust with our military, with the decisions that are going to be made? Um, is this person um, able to create relationships with other countries? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are important questions. Is he creating a culture within our society that's mm-hmm. really toxic? So, so there's that question around tone that we have to ask, not just for Trump, we have to ask it for, for Biden, Biden well. too. Yeah. But then the second area is really measuring results. You know, as a leader, what are you getting done? And, mm-hmm. and are you just talking? Are you getting things done? And then let's measure kind of also this other part of your character around what have you accomplished that you said you were going to accomplish? So I think Christians who are supporting Trump, they look at now after several years, sort of a track record of accomplishments that they go, you know what? That's kind of what I thought he was going to do, mm-hmm. you know. And and there's there's a lot in there for everybody. I mean, criminal justice reform that was mm-hmm. something that no party had gotten done before, right. and it was it was one of the few things that that had support from both parties that Trump was able to accomplish. But you look at the economy, you look at um, the way in which you know it's been the lowest unemployment rates mm-hmm. ever. I mean, COVID obviously started to right. change the game on that. You look at the judges almost appointing up to close to three hundred 
judges. So again, for the conservative who wants to view uh, the Constitution as as an original Constitution that's not living, that shouldn't be changing, yeah. then you wouldn't vote for anybody else but Trump because yeah. you you do see that as critical to the future of our nation and to justice and to uh, an America's founding kind of vision continuing forward. Mm-hmm. You know, oil production at an all-time high, American manufacturing. I mean, there's, there's so many of these types of things that um, at this point you can look back in support of Trump and say, I like what he did and I'd like to see that continue. Flourishing. I mean, it is a version of flourishing. Yeah. It's yeah. a vision and it's policies and you can go back. You know, you know what I found helpful was there's a great New York Times article yeah. where they fact check we'll link Trump's list yeah. of accomplishments. <laughs> so, you know, of course the campaign gives this big list. Well, they go in and they kind of go, well, this is kind of true. This yeah. is totally true. This is not true at all. But I think for somebody trying to be educated about this, that's certainly a good way to understand how a Christian would go. Yeah, th- that's a lot of results that I yeah. think I'd like to see um, continue. Uh, on the Biden side, I think same thing, right? Yeah. Tone, results. So, you know, obviously— Yeah, because I do want our friends who are listening that are pro-Biden to hear that those are reasons why some of their friends are voting for Trump. Right. Now, right. flip it. For our friends who are pro-Trump, tell me why Christians are voting for Biden so that we understand both sides. Yeah, so on the Biden front— I think they see his tone as very important, right? They, they might, He's like they the might even nicest grandpa. <laughs> they, they <laughs> might even, you know, say, "Hey, that's a more important thing to me yeah. than all of these results." Right. I think tone matters. I think it's creating. Uh, it's about us bringing people together in the future. I think he's less harsh in how he communicates and how he will communicate. He is grandfatherly. Mm-hmm. So there's some attributes about just his tone, his measured tone, his way of mm-hmm. communicating that is very attractive and and believe, hey, that's just as important as policies um, because that can lead a culture to flourish more than, than, a, than sure. one that has great policies, but that's creating space for all kinds of hate to go forward, right? right? I think on the policy front, you know, Christians who tend to support the Democratic platform tend to look at it in the sense of they're doing more for the poor, that they, mm. they support those economic policies that they think are going to help bring more people up. They're supporting maybe more work towards environmental change. They're looking at immigration reform and saying, hey, I think this party is going to do a better job at that than what the Republicans have been able to do with it. So I think on that side of the discussion, they have these valid reasons. My encouragement to anybody listening is really go do the work, though. Look at these policies and and put it through this grid as a, as a Christian and and do that hard work don't just take everybody's word for it. Like, do what Annie did. Like, pull out the laptop, look up some of these articles, go go do your own reading to the point that you feel satisfied because you're not going to vote for a perfect politician or a perfect platform. Mm-hmm. But as you get into it, you might find, hey, there's just, the as you balance it, you might go, hey, the balance is just so much stronger on this side as I process this through the lens mm-hmm. of faith. And, and I don't think as Christians we can separate our faith. It's essential to how we're going to view flourishing. Yeah, everything. I mean, we can't separate them. Right. It may have been you that said this, so I may be quoting you back to you, but someone in the Q Ideas world said this to me, the idea that we're we're not voting for an Uber ride, we're voting for a bus a bus route. <laughs> that, that you are not going to get exactly where you want to go, no matter who you vote for here, but it's the route. So you yeah. may have to get off and walk a little bit, yeah. but it's the route. And that, that helped me go yeah. like, oh yeah, neither party has ever. This isn't unique to 2020. Neither party has ever given the voter exactly what they wanted. Right. And and I think it brings us to what is our responsibility as yeah. citizens? Because if, if we just look at this as, 
our vote is the most important thing we can do for our country and for civility and for this public square, mm-hmm. we're really missing it. Like we have mm-hmm. so much more power to be creating community, to be creating flourishing in our own local neighborhoods and community. And when we forget that and we think we can just sub that out to political parties uh, that run our nation, right. then we're really missing out on the beauty of what America's always been. There, there has been this effort individually to come together and contribute and to create our towns and villages and the way we're going to operate with one another and the way in which we're going to treat one another in civility, even if at the highest levels we're not seeing it modeled, we're going to mm-hmm. still do that. I know mm-hmm. in our town here it feels like there's a lot more civility than, yes. than maybe other places I've lived. And part of that's because it's baked into the culture. It's mm-hmm. values that outlive elections. And so we as Christians, again, we ought to be creating these little communities that are countercultural, but invite other people into them, but live based off of different values. And that's the hard thing is, is can we have vision for that? And do we have vision? And who's providing vision yeah. for these local communities to flourish in a time where things feel very national and very polarized? Yeah, what's a, I, I'm, this is, I'm springing this one on you. What's a pastor's role in this? Yeah. How does a pastor lead that way and not say, and some of them will say, the Christian vote is this vote. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Is there one party that's the Christian vote? No, I think that's a dangerous way to communicate about yeah. our, our vote. I think, But I think the pastor hasn't done his job if he has to get to the point of telling people, this is how you vote. Mm-hmm. The pastor's job is discipleship. It's taking people into the Word of God. It's helping them understand the, the, the fall of human beings and all the ways in which we fall short. Yeah. And the way in which throughout history— these same sins tend to come up, right? Of right. pride, of of arrogance and hubris, of thinking we can do it all ourselves and not rely on God. And so I do think a pastor's job has to be, again, throughout the year and years, discipling. But I think at this point, pastors shouldn't shy away from difficult topics and issues. I mean, there are very polar visions right now in this country on a few of these issues. And we don't have to get into all of them, but mm-hmm. I, I think there are some polar opposite visions. I don't think either party's trying to mince words about that. Right. You know, want the the left is is leaning more left than it probably ever has. And those on the left would even say that. And that's part of what they want, right? They want to see a bit of revolution take place in this mm-hmm. country, to to go to some new norms, to change the way we think about capitalism, to to change the way we operate with the government and maybe giving the government a little more control in our lives with socialism forgiving debts. You know, there, there's a yeah. vision there for, for climate change and other things that I think they're happy to say this is a, a revolution. And then you also have on this more conservative side, you, you have people going, no, we, we want to stick with where we've been. We, we like the Constitution the way it currently exists. We, we think these policies of capitalism actually create a bigger pie for mm-hmm. people to share versus mm-hmm. us cutting up the same pie. You know, and so the pro-life side of it's very clear. Religious liberty, I think, is really clear. I mean, on the on the right, um, you know, some changes have happened over this last four years of policy that's allowed religious liberty to go forward in Christian For institutions. For all sorts of different religions? Yeah, not yeah. just Christians. I mean, certainly the Christians end up celebrating it, but yeah. religious liberty is about everybody having the right to live by their conscience mm-hmm. and not to be coerced to do something outside of that. Currently, the current policy on the left is the Equality Act. And I think every Christian should really be concerned about the Equality Act because what it will mean for faith-based education or religious organizations, perhaps even churches, is forcing them to hire people that don't share their values. Um, That's stated. That's really clear. So the point is get into these policies and just understand them as you're moving forward. And as you do kind of your list and go, hey, which of these parties 
you know, am I going to live with as an imperfect platform? Yeah. And, and that'll help you feel conflicted like yes. you did. <laughs> <laughs> and that will help you continue to feel conflicted. I mean, uh, you said it where our work begins after the election. Yeah. Uh, when this is all over, half fish of America is going to be really upset. And I, as an Annie, have so much concern over friendships surviving this mm. and neighbors and churches surviving this and and people of other races feeling seen and cared for and loved. And like, yeah. I'm very worried about it. Yeah. I'm very worried about it. Well, I about think it's it. with good reason. I mean, we've seen enough uh, at this point to know that, you know, it's expected to be a pretty trying few weeks, yeah, maybe, so what maybe do longer. We, how do we, do we lock our doors? Well, no. I think as as people of faith, we, we're the ones that show that, and we demonstrate that we love people who we might have a different political view from. Mm-hmm. We demonstrate that best in our churches. You know, that that's where pastors really do have this great opportunity to bring people together, to educate, to, to yeah. what we're doing here, to have these conversations that go, hey, good people are going to disagree about these things. Yeah. And you can either choose to demonize them and make them the enemy, or you can say, hey, they, they believe a little bit of a different idea set here, and let's have conversations about it. Let's learn to listen a little bit more and try to understand. Unfortunately, a lot of that listening space is gone. Social media has yeah. really evaporated any spaces like this to just talk and talk about the complexities. I mean, you and I ha- trying to have this conversation in three minutes right. doesn't work. We need space. We need living rooms. We need kitchen tables where we can come together and just have conversations. Um, there is something that rises up in you, you know, when you get into these conversations. If you feel strongly, like you're convicted about something, that's okay to feel that. Yeah. But what we can't do is point that as enmity or contempt towards the person who has a different view. Instead, we as Christians don't get that opportunity. Maybe in the world, everybody else can do that. Yeah. But we actually have to see that other person as somebody God loves deeply whether or not they believe exactly the way I believe a society should function. Yeah. And let's try to find that common ground. Let's find all the things we do agree on, because I can guarantee you with your friends, you got plenty of things you agree on. Yeah. And and maybe you take a little time off from talking politics and, and you spend your energy focused on other things you enjoy. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more quick time to tell you about another one of our partners, KiwiCo. 2020 has allowed all of us to get plenty of practice being adaptable, hasn't it? I know a lot of us have had to change Halloween plans, maybe had to adjust fall break or pumpkin patch traditions. Well, whatever your fall plans are, even if there's a lot more staying home than usual, they sure don't have to include boredom. With KiwiCo, you, your kid, your mini BFF can get super cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to your door every month. While you might be unable to go to fun places, you can bring a fun activity right to your home and unboxing a crate feels just as exciting as receiving it. And while KiwiCo has so many fun options for our mini BFFs from the little bitties up to tweens, they truly have such cool stuff for all ages, y'all. I got a crate myself where I got to create and then paint these beautiful stencils onto a book holder. A great example of the if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands idea. Doing something creative with my hands gave my brain some rest, and KiwiCo provided everything needed from start to finish. The instructions, the supplies, materials. Like I said, everything you need is inside each colorful crate, so you can get started right away. You can encourage others in your life to be innovators and creative thinkers. They'll be so proud of what they can build and accomplish with KiwiCo. Such a great confidence booster. 
KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. So get 30% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line with the code ThatSoundsFun at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at K-I-W-I-C-O.com. And the promo code is ThatSoundsFun. And now back to our conversation with Gabe. I have this really weird, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I have this really weird thing I do when I disagree with someone. I picture them as a first grader. (laughs) And I go, okay, something happened. I I would have liked them as a first grader. I bet they were funny. I bet they were silly. I bet they played outside. I bet we read the same books. Something happened between first grade and now that made them like this. Right, right. I need to figure out what that thing is that's making, you know, when you see those pictures of, people eating meals in Portland or in whatever, and and people are coming and just screaming at them while they're eating. And right. I go, okay, those people screaming at them when they were first graders, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was something different. And and something has happened that's made them feel this strongly. Right. What is that thing? Yeah. What is that thing? That's that's been my only hope is doing my first grade trick. I like it. I like your trick. And I think I think what it says about you is you're you're genuinely curious about people's stories. How did you get here? Yeah. Right, and I, and I think when we take the time to ask that question of somebody we disagree with, it's amazing how much you start to develop empathy, compassion. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll agree with some of the point of views they've come to because you realize the story they lived has yeah. been so different than yours. Uh, and so I think I think listening's a good thing. I also think though, what we don't want to do in in a culture like this, there there has been a sense of like censorship starting to happen a little bit more where. People are self-censoring, and I, I don't just mean government-type censorship or big uh-huh. tech. That's happening too, but there's a self-censorship where we almost quiet ourselves, and uh-huh. we're not sharing what we really think because we're concerned the person doesn't agree with us. And so we actually back away from having these real substantive conversations. We get really quiet. I noticed that you know on our team. I have a, a young team, yeah. and there's something about the 20-somethings right now to where when you're getting into these kinds of conversations— it gets really quiet. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, 15 years ago with with my generation, we'd battle it out, talk about it, discuss it. We were okay being wrong. We didn't mind sharing, like, what our views were passionately. But I find there's a quieting happening right now, and I don't think that's good for society either. Mm. I think we need to encourage people that it's okay. Share share what you're thinking about this. Yes. It's okay. It's safe. We don't have to do it on social media. Let's sit that's in a room it. together. Yep. And let's talk about it, and let's make it off. Let's just start saying to each other, this is off the record. Please don't post. And let's start to create those kind of spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, Ronald Reagan talked about how, you know, uh, the greatest conversations and change in America happen around the dinner table. You know, that was back in the 80s, right? Yeah. That that there's something about the table and sitting and eating with people that changes things and helps us have empathy for one another. And that's one of the things we're missing right now as a culture is empathy. Yes. And that's where our presidential leadership can be part of helping say, this is normal. We need to have more empathy. And I think we need more of that. How do we get more of that? Well, we just do it around tables. Well, we have that's our immediate way. Anything yeah. we're leading, we do it. You're yeah. doing it right here. I try to do it through Q. We try to create all these spaces and encourage our friends to create spaces 
for this. I, I called a friend of mine this morning who I wanted to encourage because he's walking through this political space. I know it's going to be challenging over these next couple of weeks. So it was just a, just a way to reach out and encourage and say, hey, thanks for being faithful. Thanks for showing up in this and the messiness, trying to help people. We need to do that sort of thing privately and encourage people so they don't feel alone. Because I think in this space where you start talking publicly about faith, politics, culture, yeah. you can feel like you're on an island. Yes. Right. Because of the silence around these issues. Mm-hmm. And I, my encouragement would also be, you can disagree with me on this, Gabe, but but engage in conversation, but don't engage in conversation where you're only reading headlines. Yeah. Like, actually, let's let's learn together. And then like, I would love for people to sit down and read Tyson's beautiful resistance together. Right. And then talk through it. Or with this article we linked, the New York Times article, five of you actually read the whole thing. Yeah. And then, or John Piper's, we'll link to that one too. You thought that was a yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I read that and thought, man, what a great spiritual insight to, yes. to look at scripture and say, hey, here's what leads to death. It's yes. not, it's not just being uh, for abortion. There's some, yes. the sin of pride leads to death. I mean, that, that's, that's great. I also think just to shout out to the Ann campaign, to Justin yes. Gibney, I yes. think they've done some good works. He has a, pol- a politics, it's called Church Politics yes. Podcast. And I think, you know, they're having some really good conversations where they're called the and campaign because they're saying it's both and. Like, mm-hmm. And they're trying to hold this space. They're trying to hold this space for Christians to think outside the boxes we've been given. Mm-hmm. And if we can mature in that, we can help lead the next generation to see their role in public life, not just as partisan, but yeah. as participants in a bigger citizenry and in, in, in bringing the kingdom of God to bear on some of these decisions. I think that's going to help make this better. Okay, so that leads me to right after the election is the Q&A event that y'all are hosting. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've planned an event for some time. And now, you know, it's one week after the election. We're doing it in Nashville for 300 leaders in person. But we're talking about eight topics that we think Christian leaders must be thinking about as we move into this new season, this new future. So we're talking about mental health and suicide. We're also going to talk about civil rest and elections. Mm-hmm. We're talking about digital discipleship. What does that mean for us to have the, the ability to disciple now more through technology maybe than in person. Yes. And we're talking about race and justice. You know, we're, we're trying to talk about all of these topics that, again, in the social media space, really get wound up and it's yeah. hard to have the space. So we're creating space to spend almost an hour and a half on each of those topics yeah. with experts, practitioners, and also allow for questions. So we're calling it Q&A. Yeah. So everybody in the room gets to ask questions, and it's going to be virtual, so people yeah, can so people can buy a virtual ticket yeah, still, it's right? Ninety nine dollars they can yeah. buy and participate with us those two days. I think as we move into that week, as it gets closer, I think that's going to feel like a really important healing balm we're going to need yes. to kind of refocus and just go, okay, where do we go from here? Even if we don't know who our president's going to be, mm-hmm. what does it mean for us to faithfully? continue forward in the chaos. Because if we're feeling the chaos, the people we're leading feel it even more. Yeah. And so we need to be convicted, but also faithful in how we lead out. Do you think we'll have a president on Tuesday night? No. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's made it clear that that's not uh, possible. Um, but I, and I don't know how long this process go. What I would urge people to do is to be very patient um, because these processes will play themselves out. This is part of American life. I know yeah. maybe we've lost some trust in institutions, but I think we're going to have to, in good faith, trust that this process will play out and to uh, be patient, to be patient, not to overreact, not to jump the gun on what's happening and claim, you know, we know exactly what's happening uh, and to be patient. I think that's a good, 
a good way to be disciplined as you walk through uncertain times. Would you suggest people be online or take a break after the election? Like, is it better to take in some of the news the week after and the and during all that? Or is it better to like throw your phone in the ocean and start a new life for the month <laughs> you know, of November? It's not a bad idea to take a break. Uh, okay. I don't think all of our voices are going to make much of a difference in what this outcome is going to be. Yeah, I think it's it's wise to to think about our own emotional, mental, spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And in times of great divide and polarization, you got to make sure you're you're staying attuned and restored and rested and able to bring like great thinking to your friendships and mm-hmm. to bring people together again around your table. Yeah. And to say, hey, in our community, let's let's just talk. Let's demonstrate and model something different than maybe we're seeing happen in other cities. Mm-hmm. Let me just look at the footprint God's put in my life and yeah. and let me reach out to those friends and encourage them. Um, and and prayer. I mean, let's not forget the role of prayer. Like this isn't just some arbitrary idea for Christians. Like literally God moves through prayers. Let's like seek God. We know he's righteous. We know we can trust him with whoever this leader ends up being that that we know through scripture that he providentially already knows who's going to be in place Mm -hmm. and that we have some confidence that he's decided that's who should be in place. Yeah. So for the next six days, five days between when we're listening to this and when the election is, what are you praying? Man, I'm praying for um, fair elections. I'm praying for the process to be right. I'm praying for justice. Um, I'm praying for my neighbors who might disagree with me to, in good faith in this complexity, move forward with their convictions. I'm praying for the church to be faithful. I'm Mm -hmm. praying for Christians to do the homework um, and to not just cast a vote without understanding that it really does have consequences and it matters. Um, But ultimately, just praying praying for God's kingdom to come. I mean, this yeah. it, it sounds kind of trite because we say it a lot, but but you yeah. know, God's kingdom brings love. His his kingdom it can divide, so let's not just gloss over that. Like yeah. like his kingdom doesn't just come and create unity. Um but when his kingdom come, truth prevails. And so mm-hmm. that's what we want. We want truth to prevail, not falsehood. And so that's part of what I'm praying for. Yeah. It just feels like, I mean, I'm so glad you said that because we just cannot underestimate that um, it's not all just done and we have to live in it. The mm-hmm. the Lord, the scripture says that our prayers change the Lord's heart mm-hmm. and can change things. I mean, That's right. my goodness, the sun didn't set because people prayed and, <laughs> and, yeah. and a battle was won, you know? And maybe a good... A good analogy is looking at COVID and how much that's been a really tough this year in mm-hmm. 2020. And yet I've seen God use that to reorient entire people, organizations, ways in which people think about one another, think about community, think yeah. about family. I mean, you could have never predicted it. So we sit on this side of the election predicting, oh, this is just going to be the worst or chaos and all of that. And what we don't, and sometimes we underestimate, we just don't know what God's doing through all this. But yeah. what we know is we can trust him and we can trust yeah. that we can have hope in this future that he's creating. And especially as Christians, we don't need to live in fear. Mm-hmm. We can trust him. And mm-hmm. so I think I think that's a good place for us to just kind of rest in that. Don't take ourselves too seriously, but but understand we all have a role to play. Yeah. This is going to sound so christian and you know me, that, I'm, that I hate that already. But as I was praying when I was voting, the thing that I, when I was finished and I sealed my little envelope, the thing I thought the most was, I need to do more in Nashville. And I thought, maybe that's the answer to the prayer I'm praying. Maybe what I've been sitting here asking the Lord to like, show me and help me do this well. 
And the answer is there's stuff for me to do mm. here. Yeah. And I have I haven't done that well. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, that that is whenever every single time I do Mark Batterson's 40 days uh circle maker prayer thing, mm-hmm. my prayers change as much as the circumstances change. Right. Right. And that's <laughs> that's what's beautiful about prayer. And I love hearing you you say that. To me, like as I look back over the last year of my life, the most life-giving thing I've done is created a Bible study locally yeah. with other men to get in the Word and to study Scripture and to and pray together. And what y'all have been studying. Well, Revelation. <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> We're in Romans now. That was like months ago. <laughs> but, I thought you like, dudes, let's talk about Revelation. <laughs> we've gone through like 11 books, you know, over the last year and wow. few months. And and I will say the bond of community and connection just around studying the word, yeah. not a, not an accountability group. It's like, let's just let the word wash over us and shape our perspective. And then the community that's coming around that locally. And so as you talk about what can we do locally, that that's what I want people to feel is you can truly make an impact. You can create culture locally by leading in these ways. Mm-hmm. And so, Annie, I'm I'm all in for you for city council. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Let's go. I don't know. I haven't I haven't asked the Lord exactly what to do yet. But I did. But I I mean, <laughs> I seriously the moment I thought I hope you're not asking me to be a politician because I don't have the time and I do not want half of Nashville to hate me. I just do not have the emotional maturity. Yeah, that doesn't work well for your personality. <laughs> Nashville hate me. I can't do it. Gabe, thank you for doing this today. I feel like. It is, it is really, I mean, I told you just before we started, I want people, when they are done voting on Tuesday, I want them to feel like their faith and their friendships are intact mm. as best we can. So is there anything else we need to tell our friends listening about keeping your faith and your friendships intact after Tuesday's election that we haven't said? Yeah, I would say don't put too much pressure on Tuesday. Okay. You know, it's like the world's going to put pressure on it, the media, the globe. The, the candidates, yeah. everybody's going to put pressure on that. You're going to see stickers on everybody's shirt, right? Yeah. There's a lot of pressure around this Tuesday, but hopefully this just reminds people that it's just another day. Yeah. We got to eat dinner. But we have a yeah. lot of work. We have we have so much that we can just be doing in our own local communities that, that will likely make more of a difference in our own lives, our children's lives, um, than some of what we can get caught up in thinking mm. just our vote will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, there are a couple of questions people have sent in, but I kind of want to save them for next time you're on the show because right. they're about your personal life, your family, all that, which I think is really important. And I, you know how I feel about your people. I adore them. But I, I want us to stay kind of focused on this. Is there anything we didn't say that you think we need to say? Feel good? Yeah, it's great. Okay, good. Then the last question I always ask, this is, off to, oh, it's a siren. I have to warn people, Gabe, because when we don't stop and they hear a siren going by and they're driving their cars, they pull over. And then they tell me, Annie, there was not an ambulance. It's because your office is near a hospital. So my apologies, everyone. Gabe, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. What are y'all doing for fun right now in the Lions family? What does Gabe Lions do for fun? You know, for fun, if I don't get outside and play a little golf here and there, like, then I'm not doing what I need to be doing to stay healthy because yeah. I can get caught up in the work and doing too much. But uh, for me, some sort of recreation, outdoor activity, that's fun. Rebecca loves getting out. We go for hikes. And yeah. that's a big part of, of our rhythm, and it kind of keeps us grounded. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about golf. I am annoyed. I'm just going to file a complaint with you about golf. It's a mostly male sport. There are women who play. There are a handful of women who play. But, but really, every guy I know – you can go, hey, you want to go golf tomorrow? And they'll figure out how to make it work, right? Like they will, <laughs> right. I've only played twice, but yeah, I'll go. Right. There is, 
There is not a female equivalent to golf. No? I don't think so. Going on walks, maybe? I don't know. Yoga, walks. But we can't talk yeah. during yoga. Yeah. But walks. do you talk during golf? I would say walks. Yeah, you definitely talk. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the, the thing. You're hanging yeah. with friends. It's meetings. Everybody it's actually, for meetings. guys, it's almost a better way to talk. You know? Yes. Like staring at each other across a lunch. Yes. <laughs> it's not as fun. It's not. As I know. just kind of hitting it here or there, talking a little bit. Yeah. But for women, yeah, walks. But that does sound boring. But I'll, I'll tell you. To me, it does. But to Rebecca, I mean, walking Lake Radnor with you or yes. going for walks. She went for yeah. a two-hour walk with a friend this morning. I mean, yeah. she just loved it. Yeah. I just, I think golf is very interesting. I just, as some friends and I were walking on Saturday and we saw these men playing golf and I was like, I wish we had a game we played. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just need to make my friends pickleball. take up golf. Why yeah. don't you take up pickleball? I'll do something. It's all the rage. Where's your, what's the best course you ever played? Uh, let's see. I would say... Sorry, I'm trying to think. I know I made your brain switch so hard, but it's the way we okay. have to end it. I know. Spyglass Hill. So that's oh, a course that? out at Pebble Beach. Oh, okay. That I just love. It's beautiful, especially yeah. on an early morning with fog. Yeah. It's, okay. a, it's a great walk. I'm going to Google it. I've never seen it. Okay, Gabe, thanks for doing this today. You bet. I really, really appreciate it. I feel, I feel more hopeful at the end of this than I predicted I would. So I'm very, very thankful. Well, we love you, and thanks for having the tough conversation. Friends, I'm telling you, as soon as we hit stop, I said to Gabe, I feel more hopeful than I thought I would. I really do. I am so thankful to him. And hey, listen, if you want to be a part of the Q&A event on November 11th and 12th, go to qideas.org slash QA. And if you use the code DOWNS10, that's my last name, 10, and you'll get 10% off your ticket if you want to come to Nashville or if you want to watch online. I just think it's going to be really great. And I'll be there. I'm in one of the panels. So I think it'll be really, really fun. I hope you'll join us. Hey, make sure you follow Gabe on Instagram, all over the place, and be sure to thank him for being on the show today. I don't know how this show left you feeling, but I hope one of the things you feel is grateful for leaders like Gabe who will come in with, y'all should have seen how much research he did for you. It was, it almost brought tears to my eyes. And he came in and sat down and, and did the work to help us understand better. So I hope whatever else you're feeling, you're also feeling thankful for him. He leads in a really gracious way, and I'm really thankful. If you like this episode, a couple others you might also enjoy are episode 221 with Eugene Cho and episode 23 and 111 with Michael Ware. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, where Annie F. Downs, TSF, like that sounds fun. I'm everywhere you would ever want to find me, so come over and make sure you say hi sometime. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Thanks for being a part of this conversation today. I really do look forward to hearing your thoughts as well. Grateful for a place where we get to do these kind of conversations. But for today, I think that's enough. So y'all make sure you rest this weekend, pray this weekend, especially U.S. citizens get out and vote on Tuesday or before that, if you can, if you do not live in the U.S., your prayers for our country and our election are greatly, greatly appreciated. So go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, friends, and I will do the same. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday with our amazing friends from She Reads Truth. Rachel Myers and Amanda Bible Williams. Y'all have a great weekend.